in prayer, please. Dear Lord, uh, what a great time we have to be able to gather here tonight to be able to celebrate this time of Pentecost together, and maybe even for the first time ever for some of us, learn of what its true meaning is. Open up our ears and our minds to what this truth is, uh, what you have done through your Son, and this gift of this Counselor, this Holy Spirit, this Advocate that you provide in our life. All these things we lift to you in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. So as we gather here tonight during this time of uh, Pentecost, maybe it's something that's not as familiar to some of us. If I mention the word Christmas to you, most of you could probably describe in the church what we celebrate at Christmas. It's this gift of Jesus coming down to earth to be here with us. That baby that is born in the manger, God's one and only son. If I told you that I wanted you to describe for me what Easter is, you would share with me the resurrection of our Lord, that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, and then he rises to be able to save us from those sins. This is Jesus Christ for us. It's this gift that God has given to us in forgiveness. And so if Christmas really is this gift of Jesus being with us, and uh, God with us, and if Easter is this gift of God being here for us, his blood and body broken for our sins, then Pentecost would be the time that we would celebrate is God being in us. God is truly in us in this time that we celebrate, that by his spirit, we have this great gift that we hear about In our text. That's what Jesus was referring to. And this happens in multiple occasions within Scripture. In fact, this is the beginning of the book of Acts. In the very beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we hear these words from Jesus. By the way, this is just after uh, Jesus has uh, risen from, from the dead. It says, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. Over and over again, we heard it in our gospel text, Jesus has told his disciples about this gift that he is going to give to them. But what is that? We'll move down to verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you... You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Everywhere, right? You. God chooses his disciples and not only those men that were around him at that time. He chooses us to be these witnesses, to be able to proclaim the message of his son. And then after that moment is when Jesus ascends into heaven. We'll speak those words when we say the Apostles' Creed tonight, that I believe that Jesus ascends into heaven after that point. And that's where our text for our epistle lesson kicks off tonight. From Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, uh, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. It's talking about the disciples. They're all gathered together. They're waiting on this promise that Jesus has given to them. That I am going to send you this gift. He doesn't tell them exactly when this is going to happen. He does kind of tell them where. He tells them to stay in this certain area. And so they're waiting on this gift. A period of about 10 days goes by, and Jesus comes to be able to show up. 
Now, this time in which the disciples are gathered together, there's a whole bunch of people actually in the city at this time. They're celebrating uh, a festival that's called the Festival of the Harvest. It's exactly what it sounds like, uh, a festival or this party, this celebration of the harvest that they have received, of all the gifts that God has given to them to sustain their economy, to sustain their way of life, to be able to sustain their living. And as they're all gathered together, people from all different regions, along with the disciples, this time of of, uh, Passover has just uh, taken place. It's 50 days later, and now we have this Pentecost that is formed. But what is that? What happens during this time of Pentecost? Let's move forward in our reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. It says, Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You know, those uh, tongues of fire in the Bible represent a couple different things. Uh, First, just like you and I, uh, a tongue is something we use to be able to communicate with, that we are able to express something with. Uh, Fire, it's something that's used to be able to refine something or purify something. And this is both actions that are taken when the Holy Spirit comes upon these disciples. And tell you the truth, it's not just the disciples, it's it's you and I. This is a, a great piece of our baptism that we are told that through our baptism, we have the Spirit of God living in us. Think about that. Don't don't miss that. Sometimes we jump over this. We focus on Jesus as we should. We focus on God the Father as our Creator as we should. But we don't want to forget the Holy Spirit and what He does in us. That you and I are chosen to be the witnesses of the gospel message in whatever context we find ourselves in. And you might question that. It's easy to be able to do. You might think to yourself, uh, I- I'm just not that person. Maybe you think uh, that you're too big of a, a sinner. That if the people around me tonight knew the things that I, that I think about, the things that I have have done, they wouldn't choose me to be a witness for Jesus. Maybe you think you don't have the right abilities or the right skill set, and so you start doubting yourself a little bit. It's a great tool that Satan uses to work on you and to work on me, that concept of, of doubt. Because if he can get us to doubt ourselves about sharing who Jesus is, Guess what? It stops that message from going out to other people. It stops it by our tongue. It stops it by the refinement that happens in us. And we can become stagnant. We don't share who Jesus is. Why do we get so scared about that? I don't know. I I, I am just like you, and I understand it too. Sometimes it feels difficult to be able to share exactly who Jesus is. Like we're going to be rejected in some way, and, and we, don't, we don't like that. We don't want a piece of that. On the other hand, if I brought strangers in here tonight and asked every single one of you, uh, you know, what do you think is the place that has the best 
hamburger in town? Or what place do you think has the best pizza in town? You guys would all volunteer. Everybody would have a different idea. Uh, This is the place that has the best hamburger. This is the place that has the best pizza. And if the people that came in said, you know what? I don't think that's the best hamburger. I don't think that's the best pizza. You would say, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Let me tell you, I have had it before. It is great. And you wouldn't worry about what they told you, would you? But I bring those same people in here, and I'd say, now you have to tell them about Christ tonight. You have to tell them about Jesus. What does that look like? We become a little bit more more timid. We're worried about being rejected. Why? Why? Why can we share about a hamburger, about a pizza, about something that has so little value? And the most important news you and I have ever heard the most important news that we possess that is in our hearts, we become scared about. We become worried about. Why? Because we doubt ourselves. We don't doubt the message. We doubt ourselves and what's going to happen. We need to alter that. Imagine altering that in your life. What does that look like? Imagine altering that in your life because what does it look like in the life of somebody else around you? A person who in years from now stands beside you in heaven because you weren't worried about what you were going to look like when you shared this message. When this message is shared in the gospel, when it's shared in the book of Acts, sometimes people don't take so greatly to it. But don't forget, God is always there with us, giving us this encouragement. God is always there with us, uh, shining down upon us. Whose uh, acknowledgement is more important to us? People around us, strangers around us, or a God? God's acknowledgement of us. God's mission that he has given to us. He is always speaking to us. The question really becomes, are we listening? Are we taking time to listen to God? Let's move back to our Acts lesson again. Uh, Pick up at verse 5. Acts chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Everybody has come together for this festival of the harvest. When they heard this sound, that wind that is roaring, this crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language. So all these people are gathered together. They would have known Greek. They would have known uh, Aramaic. But all of a sudden, they start hearing this message of Jesus in all these different dialects, and dialects that make sense to them, ways that they can understand, ways that they can hear. And they ask those words. We are bewildered. We are astonished. We are amazed. How is this possible? Well, it's possible because God can do anything. Our God can do truly anything. It's easy to put limitations on him and say, you know, God can't speak in this way or in that, but at the end of the day, he can speak to us in any way he wants to. This week when I was reading some scripture, I came across the story of uh, Balaam's donkey. Have you ever read that before? Do yourself a favor and read that this week. God uses a donkey to be able to speak with one of his children. Imagine what that must have been like, being able to hear, being able to talk to this donkey. 
And it's amazing because we don't see donkeys talking around us. That's something that seems completely unordinary for, for us. But guess what? For a God that can do anything, it's no big deal. I promise you tonight, if God can speak through a donkey, do you think he can speak through you? Yeah. I won't make any weird comparisons with that one. He can do it. God can do it. He can use any of us. That's why it says in the scriptures that uh, even if the disciples do not speak about who Christ is, even the stones will cry out. Rocks that have no life whatsoever. That isn't an allegory. That isn't a piece of imagery. That is the truth. That even the rocks will cry out who our creator is if we do not push this message forward. So again, ask yourself that question. In my life, am I listening to the voice of God? Or am I limiting the voice of God? I can assure you that God knows whatever your language is, whatever your dialect is, whatever your talents are, and he wants to be able to use those things to be able to have you be his witness. Believe in God. Believe in the things that he can do. God came here tonight specifically to be able to meet with you. Think about that. We think, so we're walking through these doors tonight to be able to come and sit here and listen to this message of God. I promise you, before you ever made it to these doors, to this parking lot, God was already sitting here waiting for you. That he yearns to be able to meet with us as his children. Do we take that time to go and meet God where he's at? And remember, God is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. But are we taking time to open up his word, to be able to be in study? Think about that this week. What did your week look like? The personal devotion time, especially, that you have. It's great for us to gather here on Sundays, but what about the rest of your week? Take advantage of a Bible study this week. Take advantage of praying together as a, as a couple or asking a friend, if you're single, what you can do to be able to pray for them. Being able to do something to be able to get in the Word. If you don't have a normal devotion habit, start tomorrow morning. Set your alarm. All of us in here, if you are not getting up tomorrow morning to be able to take 10 minutes in the Word, set your alarm for 10 minutes early. Do it. 10 minutes earlier tomorrow. Get up. Get out your Bible Get on your phone and look up a devotion and take 10 minutes to be in God's word. Start your week off like that. It's a huge jump if we're doing nothing. Because in that time when we go to God's word, again, he's sitting there meeting with us. He is there speaking to us. Are we opening up our ears? Are we listening to him? True satisfaction and true joy is really found in what God has given to us. He's always the first one there wanting to meet with us. He's our creator in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. We don't create God. He's our forgiver in the story of Christ when Jesus comes to this earth to be able to be that sacrifice for us. We don't sacrifice for him. And in the story of Pentecost, it's God again who gifts us all these things to be able to share with others. It's bewildering. It's astonishing. It's amazing. In verse 9, we hear about all those different groups of people who are gathered together, and they are, are just amazed. Again, they make a couple more remarks. From Acts chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, uh, the people say, we hear them, the disciples, declaring the wonders of God 
in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. I like the question that they asked there, not the statement of we think that they have too much wine. They think that uh, they're drunk, they're saying, right? Uh, well, they're, they're not. They are, they are babbling on, but they're not babbling on so they're incoherent, right? So that you cannot understand them. Look at the beginning of that passage. It says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. It doesn't say we hear them babbling. We hear them making no sense. They're making perfect sense in languages that are perfect to the ears of the individuals who are hearing. They are listening to these things, and they ask that question. What does this mean? They want this explanation. In that moment, out of all people, Peter steps forward, and he gives this amazing uh, message, talking about who Jesus is and what he has come to do for all people. Think about that. Remember Peter just in the Gospels at the very end when Jesus is going to his death on the cross and Christ tells him, you, Peter, are going to deny me three times. And he says, no, I will, I will not do that, Lord. And sure enough, three times he denies Christ. He turns his back upon him. Peter's the one who is this most unstable probably of all the disciples. He, he's, he's reckless. He's erratic. But today... Peter is this one that we see step up and share about who Jesus is. To tell people exactly what God has done. Because Peter, even in all his flaws, Jesus still gives him forgiveness. Jesus still chooses him to build his church. Jesus still gives him the gift of the Spirit. And it's the same for you and me. In all your flaws, in all my sin. In all our shortcomings together, God still chooses us to be able to grow and strengthen his church. He could do it anyway. He could show up here in person every Sunday. We could have that on our banner out front. Jesus comes here in person every Sunday. And he can do that. But he chooses you and I. And guess what? Jesus still is here in person every Sunday. He shows up in a time of communion that we'll have together in a little while. He shows up in his word that we get to be able to read together. And he shows up in you. This spirit that is in you. A spirit to be able to share what he does for us. And I know it's easy to be able to cast those things aside and to blame so much on on the inability that we have. To blame uh, the world for where it's at, for our morals and the dip that they have taken, for the knots in our politics and what that looks like. And we can cast blame all day on anything we want to, on shortcomings of this world. Or we can, as a body of Christians, focus on what God has truly given to us. We can answer that question for people. When they ask that question, what does this mean, we can truly share with them where that talent lies. When you come in here tonight and, and, and we sing together, uh, maybe you hear Jen singing and think, if I could just sing like, like Jen or like Marianne or like Taylor, 
then you think, you know what, then I would, I would lead worship, then I could do those things. Uh, you think, you know, maybe if I could just have the confidence to be able to, to read a lesson up front or to be able to help with communion, then I could be an, an usher or I could be an elder. If I just had uh, some biblical knowledge or was able to speak with people relationally, then I could help out and I could, I could lead in our youth group and volunteer there or I could help with a, a small group. It's easy to look at all those limitations but don't look at the things that you think you do not have or the tools that other people have that you think you have to have. God has gifted each one of us with very specific gifts, the fruits of the Spirit that different uh, people have, that different people possess on all different levels. But he has gifted all of us here today with his Spirit. Every single one of us here today with that gift. And part of it's just living in that. What does that look like? Well, it happens not only here on Sunday. Most importantly, it happens outside of these walls. On Monday night, I was at the skeptical chemist when we were having our men's Bible study. And we had just wrapped up for the evening. Gentlemen were starting to leave uh, a couple at a time until it got down to just about four of us that were sitting at the last table just kind of talking before we departed. And while we were sitting there talking, uh, the waitress that was helping us out for the night came over. And she said, you know, I really like all of you guys being here with us. And she said, you know, I, I have really been thinking about it, and I need to get back to church again. And she took her order pad that she had been taking down all our hamburger orders and stuff for the night. And she flips back a couple of pages and she, she says, what is the name of your church? And one of the guys says, Shepherd of the Desert. And she, she wrote it down. And then one of the other guys said, uh, here's our, our website address. Put it, put it down. And, and she wrote our website down. And then one of the other guys at the table said, we have, we have services. He attends at Mountain View and said, we have services at Mountain View if you want to come at 9.15 and at 10.45. You should come and join us for church. It was great because there's four people at the table, me being one of them. I didn't say anything. The pastor said nothing. I just sat there the whole time. I watched these three guys, I think, so energized from being around like-minded Christians of being in public and not being afraid to share their faith, that it just came naturally for them. But even better, they weren't even the ones that were doing the reaching out, right? They were just living their normal life. Often that's when evangelism happens, when you're living your normal life, that opportunities come to you. Because we're living so much as God's children, people ask that question, what does this mean? How can that person act like that when they are struggling with X? How can this family live like that when they they don't have Y? And there's these different questions that people come up with, and in the end, we only have one answer. An answer that you and I can give by the Spirit of God, because of Jesus. We have joy, we have satisfaction, And we do have the one answer that truly means something. Tonight we thank God for that spirit that he has given again to all of us. What are we going to do with that? Let's pray. 
Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the gift that you have given us uh, through your spirit, a time to be able to gather here even tonight and to discuss this time of Pentecost and this uh, great just beginning of your church. Continue to allow your church to thrive as you see uh, best as we continue to be able to honor you, Lord, in all the things that you have provided us. We just thank you for our worship time tonight. We ask that you clear our minds and our heads for receiving communion uh, this evening, and that we will be able to, again, leave this place as your disciples, as your witnesses throughout the world. In your son's name we pray. Amen.